Last week, I kept finding myself using the same word over and over again. As I went through the talk, I kept saying, you know, in my mind, and there's always a sub-conversation happening with me, there's, there's the, what I'm saying to you, and then there's what's going through my mind, and the real challenge for me is to not let those two things crisscross, and for you to hear sometimes what's going on in my mind, because I'll be preaching, and I'll see one of you, and you won't have a very good smile on your face or whatever, and I'll think, ooh, they're not happy, or, or you know, their hair, I can't believe they, they looked in the mirror, no, I can't say that, you know, so <laughs> it's, so I was thinking as I was preaching last week, you're using the word amazing a lot. Brett, use a different word. Find a different word than amazing because you're just using it way too much. But as you look up into the heavens, is there any other word sometimes to describe what you see other than amazing? I mean, it really is amazing. It is indescribable. It, is, it goes beyond your, your ability to explain or to describe to somebody. Can you imagine trying to explain to somebody who cannot see what it's like to look at the stars some nights, what it's like to see the moon on certain evenings. Um, you know, the, the heavens are talking back to us. The Psalms are very clear. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. They are telling us every single moment what we discovered last week, which is God is great. God really is great. We talked last week about the universe, that, that, you know, that if, it's, if it's been made for our benefit, that the universe is way, way too big just if it's been made for us. But if it's been made to do what we think it's been made to do, what we know it's been made to do, which is to declare the glory of God, then it can't be big enough. We don't even really know uh, how big the universe is, but we know that it can't be big enough to do its job if its job is to tell us how great God is. Um, we don't even know how big the universe is. They, they have not built a telescope big enough yet to go find the edges of the universe. They keep building bigger telescopes. They find new and important and, and exciting things. And then they build another telescope and they go find more new exciting things. And that's just a constant process where they, they continually discover. And don't you know that God's just enjoying the whole process saying, build a bigger telescope. You know, build a bigger telescope. I got more stuff for you to find. Uh, we don't know where the end of it is, but we do know that there is a huge God, and he, with one word, spoke, and the universe came into existence. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. The heavens are telling us that God is big and we are small. Hebrews is an interesting book. Hebrews tells us an awful lot about Jesus, tells us about the Son of God, it tells us about his unique mission uh, to the world and as the writer of Hebrews opens here's one of the things he tells us about Jesus this is Hebrews 1 uh, verse 10 in the beginning O Lord you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you will re but you remain they will all wear out like a garment you will roll them up like a robe like a garment they will be changed but you remain the same and your years will never end this morning as we move forward and we're going to move outward into the universe today, we're going to look at some things, just kind of start here and go out into our galaxy and even beyond our galaxy. I want you to remember that God has laid all this out much the same way you would lay out your clothes. My daughter, 10 years old, one of the favorite things she does before she goes to bed, she'll lay out her clothes that she's going to wear the night before. Now typically if you've ever done that, you lay them on a table or on some kind of changing table or something where they're, they're kind of folded and they're out for you. She doesn't do that. She lays them out like she's in them, like she just laid down in them, you know, the <laughs> bottoms and the top and I'll walk in to pray with her and I'll see her clothes all laid out. I have to make sure I don't step on them you know it's kind of cute and but that's what God does he's rolled out the universe laid it out for us 
One of the goals today for us is to have us remember that we are very, very small and that God loves us. I need to make a correction from last week, though. I, I, I misspoke last week. I told you how big uh, the universe is, but, but really I didn't do a very good job. It turns out we're smaller than I actually told you last week. Last week I told you that, um, well, I'm not going to tell you what I said last week because it's just going to confuse you. Let's just do this. Our solar system, which is our sun, moon, and, and, and our, our sun and, and our planets and our moons that revolve around those planets, that's our solar system. And that goes inside our galaxy. Now, our solar system relative to our galaxy, which is one of billions, hundreds of billions of galaxies in the universe, our solar system relative to our galaxy, our solar system is the size of a quarter placed inside North America to our galaxy. It's huge. It, it is unbelievably big, and so I wanted to make sure I came back and, and set that straight. I don't know, does that make you feel small this morning? Do, do you feel small today as we talk about the heavens? But somehow, God knows your name. Somehow, you are precious to him. And on this earth, on this thing that we learned last week, Carl Sagan called the pale blue dot, somehow God sees you and he sees me. <clears throat> I want to start with an image that we, we looked at last week. And, and we're going to begin here today and I want us to move on beyond that. Um, it's a beautiful picture of earth. We talked last week about the things that you can see. The continent of Africa, you can see Madagascar off, you can see the Sinai Peninsula up at the top, Antarctica below. It's beautiful. But let's go on beyond that today. Let's go out 93 million miles this morning. Let's take our mind off our problems a little bit this morning, shall we? 93 million miles. And let's start with the sun. Many of you hear the word sun and you automatically reach for the sunblock, right? I think SPF 50 might come in handy right here. This is, uh, uh, that's our sun in all of its glory. 93 million miles away. We're glad it's not closer than that. We would burn up. We're glad it's not farther away than that. We would freeze to death. And when the earth orbits around the sun, it turns and it warms us in the daytime and it cools at night as it turns away from the sun to give us a little rest. It sustains our life. It is intense. Make no mistake about it, the God that we serve made this little star. It's not the biggest, it's not the brightest, but it is intense. God is not some mamby-pamby God that uh, can't do things. He's not powerless. He spoke, and this thing came into being. The Bible says he wraps himself in light like a garment. That thing that you see right there has a surface temperature of 11,000 degrees. You might say, well, what's that flying off the side over there, that thing that's jumping off the side over there? That is a... Um, an eruption. It's what they call a solar event or an episode. Sometimes when that happens, it knocks out communications and satellites, knocks out communications for airplanes. It's a problem when that happens. In all of its glory, it is 100 times 
the size and diameter of our little planet called the earth. I said a hundred, I should have said a thousand. It's a thousand times bigger than the earth. I want to show you our relative size to the sun. I don't know if you can see that little blue dot <laughs> down in the lower right corner, but that's, that's our size relative to the sun. And that little eruption thing jumping off the sun, imagine if something like that were to ever be able to reach us, would just incinerate us immediately. Just fascinating to me. The sun is just one big flaming ball of gas. You say, well, how far away is 93 million miles? Well, we went through this last week, but <clears throat> light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That translates out, it goes 11,600,000 miles in a minute. It goes 669,600 miles an hour. And over the course of one year, it will travel, light will, 5.88 trillion miles. The sun is not uh, a light year away. It's not even close to a light year away. The sun is eight light minutes away. It takes the light and the warmth of the sun eight minutes from the time it leaves Earth, uh, the sun's surface to get to Earth. It takes it eight minutes. I want to show you another image on there. This is a, this is a, a, a surface picture of the sun. Um, let's go to, yeah, there's a sunspot right there. They say that these last for about 10 days, 10 days to a week. Uh, you could literally fit hundreds of Earths inside one of those little black holes. There would be hundreds of Earths that would go in there, um, and they're huge. Scientists have told us that if we wanted to run the sun, this is going to kind of blow you away, I think. Let me make sure I get this right. It would take the gross national product of the United States of America, that is our cumulative worth, the gross national product of the United States, for 7 million years for our local power company to run the sun for one second. Gross national product of the United States of America over seven million years to pay to run the sun for our local power company to run the sun for one second. It's a powerhouse. It's 93 million miles away. Let's go a little further than that. Let's go 430 light years away. 430 times 5.88 trillion miles away from where you sit right now is something that they call Betelgeuse. I think for the discussion this morning, we should rename it Betelgeuse, don't you? I think Betelgeuse is a better name for, for it. You say, what is that? that? That's a star in our Milky Way galaxy. And it's 430 light years away. Here's the amazing thing about it this morning. It, it's... It's, it isn't as brilliant as our star, the sun. It isn't as hot as the sun. It doesn't have the mass of our, of our sun. But size-wise, Betelgeuse rocks. He is really, really big. Uh, he is a thousand times bigger than our sun. If you were to do a switcheroo and you were to put uh, Betelgeuse in the place of our sun, there'd be planets that would be displaced because this particular star would take up those stars. All the way out, Earth would just disappear. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Earth would disappear. And it's up there in our Milky Way galaxy. And it's 430 light years away from us. I don't know what God calls it. 
Maybe he calls it Beetlejuice. Maybe he calls it Betelgeese. He calls it probably something else. But he spoke, and this came into being. And it sits out there. And some of you have never even seen it before. But it sits out there, and it shines. And it tells of the glory of God. Let's move out today. You want to go a little farther? Let's go a little farther. Let's go 440 light years away. This is the Pleiades. It's also known as the Seven Sisters. It's mentioned in Scripture. Amos talks about the Pleiades. You who turn justice into bitterness and cast out righteousness to the ground. He who made the Pleiades in Orion, who turns blackness into dawn and darkness into day and night. In a conversation with Job, uh, God asked Job, can you hold the Pleiades in your hand? Job said, no, no, I, I can't. I can't do that. 440 light years away, still in our Milky Way galaxy, in our neighborhood, 440 times 5.88 trillion miles. It just, it just, those numbers just stagger your imagination. Somebody said, how do we know that? I don't know, but the people who figured out how to launch space shuttles into space and bring them back again, I think if you're smart enough to know how to do that, you're smart enough to be able to calculate some of these things. All you have to do to visit the Pleiades is go 440 light years into space and you can look up and you can see those magnificent seven sisters. But let's go out past the Pleiades this morning, a thousand light years, to the Vela Pulsar. That is the Vela Pulsar. And you say, what in the world is a pulsar? Well, a star explodes. And as, after it's had its day and it's shown, it, it blows up. And once it does that, it begins to collapse in on itself. And uh, it's, it, it, after it's been something called a supernova, it starts to really collapse in. And it becomes, some of them become very highly magnetized, really dense. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of magnetic field to this thing. And it just starts to kind of collapse in on itself. And it becomes a tight little magnetic bundle. Some of them become highly um, magnetized neutron stars and they oscillate the Vela Pulsar is oscillating it's a thousand light years away from us and it's rotating very quickly and as it does it emits a frequency it makes noise through this frequency not only is the Vela Pulsar beautiful in all of its glory a thousand light years away highly magnetized neutron star oscillating 11 times a second and it's saying, I'm beautiful. Look at me. I'm a magnetized star. I'm oscillating 11 times a second. I'm making noise. And I want my voice to be heard in all of creation. See, we built radio telescopes. And we are able to point radio telescopes at things like this and to be able to hear the frequencies that they put off. That thing sticking out to the side is making noise. And when we pointed our radio telescope and aimed it at the Vela Pulsar, this is what we heard. That sound is coming out of that. Rotating 11 times a second. And I don't know what it's trying to tell us. It could be trying to say, no, he's big, he's really big. He's a lot bigger than that. He's even bigger than that. He's way bigger than you thought he was. Psalm 148, 3 and 4 says, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars and starry hosts. 
I think it's possible to develop pulsars out there saying, I'm a starry host. I'll be out there. And I don't know what the Vela Pulsar is trying to say, but a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar is talking to us and it's making noise and it's glorifying God. Can you imagine the sounds that the other pulsars make? They say that there's one that rotates 700 times a second and it doesn't make a tuka-tuka-tuka-tuka. It makes a beep sound. And if you could bring them all together, you wonder what you would hear. You wonder what they're trying to say. Is it possible that they're singing indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and they know them and you know them by name you are amazing god let's go a little farther out 2000 light years this is known as the ring nebula Isn't that beautiful what you're looking at are two stars in the center of that the one in the middle is dying and as it dies it shrugs off gas it gives off uh, a, an incredible amount of gas and heat uh, and, and the colors that you see are, are varying degrees of heat. Um, and it's like it's a barrel that we're able to look through the vantage point that we have. Uh, I think Hubble took this picture. Uh, the vantage point that it gives is that we can look through it like a barrel. Um, and you say, well, that's a pretty neat little thing up there. That's not little. That is one light year across. Um, 5.88 trillion miles from one side of that to the other. And in the middle is that little star, and it's given off heat, um, very hot blue in the center, a little cooler yellow as you move out, and then orange and red as it cools off. The star's dying as, as it does. It shrugs off gas. Kind of what happens with you and with me, I think, when we die to ourselves and we shrug off this fragrance that people can smell that is the fragrance of God as he overtakes our life as we die to us and we live for him and it speaks to the glory of God you think when the 60s came along and the hippies came along and they said hey man we're gonna tie-dye our clothes God said I tie-dyed the heavens long before you ever even came into existence I've been doing crazy things in the stars for a long time. I give you the ring nebula, my experiment in tie-dye, you think? Speaking of nebulas, let's, pa- let's travel out 8,000 light years. This is known as the hourglass nebula. It's another dying star. Don't you wish they'd all die if they looked like that? All of them except the sun. We don't want the sun to die out, but they tell us that we don't have to worry about that, not for another four billion years. Our sun should burn for another four billion years. Did your parents ever tell you, be careful what you do? God is watching you. I think maybe he was right. She was right. Kind of looks like the eye of God, doesn't it, in the heavens, just kind of looking at us. Isn't that beautiful? The hourglass nebula. God is creative. He's beautiful. He has got it going on. He is not old. He is not decrepit. He is not out of touch. He is not out of date. He is in heaven saying, I know what. We'll do one. We'll make it look like an eyeball. Wait till they see this. Build a bigger telescope. Build a bigger telescope. That's it. Now point it over there. Yeah, right over there. Now 
closer, focus, focus, right? Oh, and, and he's waiting centuries for us to figure out how to find these things. And when we finally do, don't you know he's up in heaven saying, oh, do you like that one? I knew you'd like that one when you found that one. Let's go out eight and a half thousand light years. And we're going to see a, the superstar of our Milky Way galaxy. This is Eta Carina. And what's special about Eta Carina, eight and a half thousand light years away from us, is not so much that it's bigger than our sun or not so much that it has more mass than our sun. It, it actually does have more mass. It has a hundred times the mass of our sun. And it, too, is shrugging off massive amounts of gas. That's what you see. The, the star is actually in the center of all that cloud that you see there. And scientists like this one because it changes violently over short periods of time. Usually it takes stars a long time to change noticeably so that scientists can see them. This one, over the course of 20 or 30 years, they can notice changes in it. So they really like this when they can mark the progress of it and see it in their own lifetime. They say that over the last hundred years, it's made massive changes. And scientists don't see that in a lot of stars. But they say that this star, and I don't know how in the world you would, me you would um, measure something like this, but they say that this star is six billion times brighter than the sun. Six billion times. Let's, um, let's leave our subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy, and let's go out even further than that. Let's go beyond our little home in the universe to our next neighboring galaxy, and it is called the Small Magellanic Cloud. I don't know why it gets this name, but the Small Magellanic Cloud. It's outside our galaxy. It's some 200,000 light years away, um, 200,000 times 5.88 trillion miles from us. It's an incubator of new stars. There are 50 new stars in the photograph that you see there. And they say that each one of those 50 stars is 300,000 times brighter than our sun. You know, we think we're all that. We think our sun is really something else. And we walk outside and think, man, it's hot out here. Our sun is just a teeny tiny little dot in space among countless millions and billions of stars in the known universe. And many of them dwarf in brightness and, and the brilliance that our sun has. And we can't even look at our sun with the naked eye. Can you imagine how bright some of these stars are? Let's go a little further out. You want to? A little further? Let's go 28 million light years from Earth. This is one of my favorite pictures of everything I'm going to show you over the next day or two, uh, last week and this week. This is really one of my favorites. This is the Sombrero Galaxy. Um, 28 million light years away. Fortunately for us, we sit at an angle to this. That we, we're looking at this on edge, and we sit six degrees above the plane of this particular galaxy so that we can see it. You say, well, why does it look differently? It's, it's, our, it's our vantage point. It's our angle. It's not face on to us. We'll see one in a moment that's face on to us, but this one we get to see on the edge. And it's 50,000 light years across from one side to the other, 50,000 times 5.88 trillion miles across. And people say, well, that, you know, that ring, um, it looks docile and thin, doesn't it? You know how thick that is? I want to make sure I get this right. It is billions and trillions of miles 
thick. I was showing this to my kids, and they said, well, how big would earth be to that? (laughs) You can't can't even put a dot on there that would signify earth. It would be so, so small. Um, That would just swallow us up. It's just a, a massively huge thing. You say, are there people in there? I don't know. I mean, are there suns and are there planets in there? Probably. Solar systems? Probably. You say, well, is there another planet somewhere with other people? Maybe there is. Maybe there's another earth in there somewhere and they're having a service this morning and they're showing pictures of earth saying you know i wonder if there's people on that um, they're doing the indescribable series from their vantage point who knows let's go a little further out let's go 31 million light years out this is called the whirlpool galaxy and if you look at it it looks like it's kind of sucking in the other galaxy these they all have uh names like I'm telling you, like the Whirlpool Galaxy, but scientists, there are so many, they can't name them all like that, so they just, they start giving them numbers. Um, In this case, you're looking at NGC 5194 and NGC 5195. 95 is up in the corner, and it looks like 94 is just trying to swallow it up. It looks like it's moving over and just going to kind of draw it in. That's really not the case. The, The 5195 is eons away. It's so far away from the Whirlpool Galaxy. This picture makes them look like they're about ready to run into each other, but in fact, that's not the case at all. Scientists love this one because it's face-on to us. We can see an awful lot into it. And they, they call this a grand design galaxy. You can see the, st- the, the arms coming off. There are two arms that come off and swirl to go out and make up what we call the Whirlpool Galaxy. 31 million light years from our house. And now I want to take you a little farther away. I want to take you to show you a picture that you just are not going to believe. Um, it's the words to describe this picture, I just can't even tell you. Um, just breathtaking, this next picture. And you say, what happened? we were doing this really cool astronomy thing and you were showing us all these stars and all these galaxies and where did that come from? Well, that is Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that he was there with God when all of this was being made. He didn't just come to earth as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He is actually the designer and creator of the grand design galaxy. And by his divine power, he lit up the universe. And by the breath of his mouth, light filled it. That Hebrews passage we, took, we talked about earlier begins this way, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past... God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So we have Jesus Christ who existed from the beginning, co-creator with God of everything that we've seen this morning, by whom, through whom, all these things have been created. He created the whole universe. 
By his voice, everything is held and sustained and kept together. And after what I just read, you see a period, and there's a space there, and then we read these things, a completely different shift of thought. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He made it all. And the same one who made it all is the one who offered himself for you and for me today. You see that he offered to come to the planet that he made, to enter a a, a galaxy that he made, to die on a cross, the wood of which came from a tree that he made. And as staggering as the fact that he did it is why he did it. And he did it for two reasons, really. Number one, he did it to glorify God. But beyond that, he did it to rescue you and me. He chose to build a bridge back to God. Paul says in Philippians um, that we see both of these things very clearly in the life of Christ, both the glory of God and an invitation for you and for me to come and to know him. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Your attitude should be the same. Did I get that right? Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, Jesus laid aside his divinity and he took on humanity. He laid aside his glory and he took on the form of a servant. Why? so that he could give glory to his heavenly Father and so that he could come and rescue us and we would know him by the name that he wants to be known and that is Father. A Father that longs to be reconnected to sons and daughters who've been created in his image. The galaxies are massive and beautiful and intense and and astonishing but the galaxies don't have a soul like you do. They don't have a soul that has been stamped in the very image and likeness of God. And he is inviting you today to come and know him. You say, Brett, my, my past is, is pretty bad. I don't know that, that God wants to have a whole lot to do with me. In light of the things that we've looked at and talked about this morning, I have a passage that I want to read to you. And you say, um, well, why do you want to do that? Because it's important it's not so much important 
what you think about God. See, I think that in our me-centric society, it's all about what we think. The importance isn't what you think about God. The important thing is what God thinks about you. God has already decided what he wants to do with you. You probably think, based on how you've behaved, he wants to kick you out. He doesn't want to have anything to do with you. That he wants to forget about you or that he wants to punish you. But he has decided something else. Listen to Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will, his har- will he harbor his anger forever. That is what you want in a God as someone who is going to forget, uh, is not going to hold a grudge when you've messed up. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. You're not going to get what you deserve from God. Hallelujah. You're not going to get what you deserve. Praise God for that. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God isn't going to give you what you deserve. He isn't going to treat you in accordance with your sin. He's going to give you grace and mercy because his love is much higher than 300 million light years or however high the heavens are. Whatever number you can put on it, his love is higher and wider and deeper than that. We've been singing songs about that lately. I want to show you one more image. And you say, Brett, I don't know that I'm up for one more image. I don't know that I can take any more. Uh, That last image was pretty much it. I want to go back to the, the Grand Design Galaxy the Whirlpool Galaxy. 31 million light years out there, and and when you see that, what you need to know is that the Hubble Space Telescope has been able to zoom in to the very core of this galaxy. It's been able to go very deep into it, and, and, and you can go online and you can bring up different pictures and look and see all these different pictures, and I, if you want to, go to hubblesite.org. You'll see all kinds of things. But you can go out, and one of the pictures that they will have out there is, is something called the X feature in the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy. And if you go out and click on that image, it's just it's, it's amazing what scientists found when they zoomed in of this grand design galaxy. This is what they found. You can call that X feature in the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy if you want to. I'm not going to argue with you about what you call this, but you could call that the cross. You say, well, that's a pretty neat little thing. No, that's not little. That, that one little image, the bright part that you see there, is 1,100 light years across. One beam of the cross is 100 light years across. That thing is huge, and it's been in space, and it's beaming that image all through the heavens out of the whirlpool galaxy don't you know that God was pleased the day we finally were able to zero a telescope in on that thing and see that and say yeah yeah in Revelation we're told that Jesus is the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth 31 million light years away and that thing's been beaming God making the first move toward us and he's saying what do you want to do 
Do you want to run toward that? Or do you want to take your sin and run the other direction and run away from God? Do you want to keep trying to make yourself good and holy or do you want to realize that I've already done that for you? Do you want to hang on to your sin or do you want to lay it at the foot of the cross? Do you want to know that the slate has been wiped clean for you this morning? The heavens are telling you today that you are prized and loved. They're telling you today that you are valuable in this grand cosmos. That he would send his son to make a way for you back to God. To take your sin as far as the east is from the west. I invite you today, if you've never given your life to Christ, that you might be able to look back one day and say, I remember the day I came to Christ. It was the day I heard the Vela Pulsar. It was the day I saw the Grand Design Galaxy. That's the day I finally decided to give my life to Christ. It's the day they showed the Whirlpool Galaxy, and at the very center of the Whirlpool Galaxy, there is a cross beaming out of that thing. That's the day I realized God is big, and I am small but I am at the very center of his heart and he knows my name. I invite you this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, to give it to a God who is big enough to speak the words and all this comes into being. He knows what to do with you. Let's pray together. Father, it is uh, staggering. We, we really do not have the ability to comprehend or understand the things that you have done. We, we cannot get our mind around what 5.88 trillion miles is. I know I've been saying that this morning and people are like, shut up, what is 5.88 trillion miles? It's, it's a number that just doesn't compute with us. But God, you are huge and powerful and awesome. And the fact that we would get upset with you and act like we're mad at you, who do we think we are? You spoke and all this came into being. Father, this morning I pray that as we've looked at all these galaxies and stars and things that are so far away that what it's done is served to remind us yet again that you are big and we are small but that you have paid the greatest price anybody could ever pay for us. That image of Jesus on the cross uh, of all the images we've seen this morning that's the one that just gets burned into my mind because I don't deserve that. I'm thankful for it. So Father, as we conclude uh, this morning, it's my prayer that the people who need to respond to a message like this would respond. And if they've never given their life to Christ, this would be the morning that they say, you know what, there is a God, and he's, he's bought me. So Father, we give you thanks for redemption, for forgiveness, for mercy and grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray.